All right, everybody. Good morning, Guru and Wiz Fantasy Football Podcast. We have completed seven of the eight divisions in the NFL doing the team podcast as we prepare for this upcoming season. And uh, we're down to the NFC West. But, uh, Wiz, good morning. And before getting into that, uh, you know, we just completed that New Orleans podcast, uh, the Saints podcast, that is. And uh, the Mike Thomas news is uh, certainly uh, one of concern. How do the Saints deal with this already in the midst of kind of this quarterback uh, change that's taking place with Drew Brees moving out? And uh, it's big news as Mike Thomas already kind of question mark around his status coming into the season. Now you have this surgery and the rehab and getting healthier. And, you know, we may not see Mike Thomas on the field to the beginning of October. I think I think the beginning of October is quite optimistic at this point. Uh, looks it's going to take a time to recovery. And then, you know, there's recovering from an injury. And then there's, you know, you're ready to walk around if you need that procedure. If, you know, if you're just an everyday person. But then you're going to need a lot of time, I think, to get ready to play football. Uh, all the movements that it takes to play at a high level. So... Uh, I think, you know, somewhere between the beginning of October and the beginning of November seems about right. But, you know, it doesn't just affect Mike Thomas. It really affects a lot of players. Um, Callaway, uh, Traquan Smith, the quarterback. It may affect the decision of Sean Payton, who's going to be a quarterback. Maybe they have to run a different type of offense uh, without Mike Thomas. So, um, you know, may prefer Taysom Hill or see what they're going to do, but certainly uh, an injury like this, it not only it makes it difficult to figure out what to do with the player in terms of drafting him, but uh, it certainly affects at least three, four uh, other players as well. Oh yeah, the t- tremendous derivative effects. I think you make a great point about you know the decision at quarterback because it certainly can be an influential factor in this. Um, you know, in addition to guys like Callaway and 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 you mentioned uh, Traquan Smith, who was a player who's been kind of inconsistent over the course of his career. Yeah, but do they wait and see what happens after cuts? There'll be some probably some veteran guys that will be available. Uh, like your Vikings just recently signed a guy like D.D. Westbrook. You know, maybe and certainly that adds depth to that team. A, a, a player that of that. Ability who's had had some success in the league. If that player was available now instead of the Vikings signing him, certainly maybe a player that the that the Saint, uh, the Saints would have looked at. I, I also think was you know this probably and if any player I think gets impacted in a positive way from this, I, I would suggest that it probably bodes well for a guy like Adam Troutman. Um, I don't know how you feel about that, but to me, the Mike the the, the Mike Thomas. Uh, aspect of what's going on with him I think probably gives an opportunity for Adam Troutman to kind of move up the boards at the tight end position that's just kind of my early speculation yeah I mean he figures more prominently in the passing game now and uh, as I mentioned you know a handful of players that this uh, injury affects and certainly Troutman is one of those pass catches uh, that that you know becomes uh a little bit even, a little bit more interesting. Uh, so, it's it, it, you know, it, it's not only Mike Thomas. You know, you, you're seeing all of these players that potentially could start on the pup list physically unable to perform, and you're not quite sure who's going to remain on that list, who's going to be taken off. And there's some of these guys, and I guess at the very, very top of that list is like Saquon Barkley, um, who. 
Um, <laughs> there's a lot of rumors about whether he's going to be ready for the first snap of the season. He's not going to play the first couple of games. He's going to play, but he's not going to have the workload. So um, a lot of things to parse through um, as it gets closer to the season. Yeah, I think you have, you know, we've talked about this a little bit. Um, we're, we're going to do some podcasts. It might be a couple of podcasts. It might be one that we do kind of early on in the, in the um uh, in the preseason where we're discussing the movement of players on leaderboards and, and, and as we get close to the season, that will evolve. But, but I'm definitely seeing a change in tone regarding a player like Barkley. Uh, you, you know I basically feel that him catching 90 balls again is, 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 a, is a near certainty that that will not happen again. Uh, those were perfect conditions for him in his rookie year. But I, but I, I see him as a player that's definitely moving around on, on draft boards and, and, and moving in the down direction. And Wiz, teams will all be in camp this week. We've got a couple of teams that have already gotten there. Some rookies are in camp. Uh, I mean, sad news out of the Jets, and I think it's a it's a factor in the offense. Greg Knapp, uh, who was the offensive coach for the Jets uh, and was going to be a big part of, of what Zach Wilson's progression was going to look like, a guy that's had a lot of success as an offensive uh, mind in this league, sadly, tragically lost his life in a biking accident uh, last week at, when he was back home in California. You know, that's a... That's a hit. That's a hit to the Jets. I mean, certainly it's a, it's a tragic event for him and his family uh, and, and sad to hear that news. But things like that coming out over the weekend, you've got players like Chandler Jones talking about not wanting to resign and the continual noise. I was very surprised to see Deshaun Watson looking like he's going to report to camp. I'm extremely surprised to hear that sort of stuff. And a very cryptic message that came out on Instagram where both Devontae Adams and and Aaron Rodgers shared a picture of Pippen and Jordan alluding to the last dance. And, uh, yeah, I don't know. And you've you've talked about the Rodgers situation as we're going to hear something probably on the first day of camp, and then that first day of camp is arriving. So I know I threw a whole bunch of things out there. Any of them you want to comment on is fine, but that's the sort of stuff. Every day there is news coming out, and, and we're going to see a pro- pro- proliferation of news as we kind of move through this next week. It's going gonna, it's gonna to be an explosion of information. Yeah, you know, a lot of this is, is is difficult to find out what is real, what isn't. There's a lot of noise about these things. But the one thing that I paid most attention to that is not noise is the NFL saying if there's a team that doesn't reach those vaccination levels and they uh, come down with COVID, we're not rescheduling. You're going to get a forfeit. And uh, that is uh, in, in some ways larger than just talking about like fantasy perspective of players because, you know, this comes down to whole um, – it's a different topic really. And, uh, you know, people, whether you consider yourself a team player, if you believe so strongly, not getting vaccinated, what to do. But if the NFL is going to stick to their guns regarding um, if you don't reach those vaccination levels of 85% per team and then you come down – uh, with COVID and you risk jeopardy of the, or your teammates, uh, the opposing team, um, that we're not going to do what we did last year. We're just going to give you a forfeit and a loss. And, uh, boy, that, that in itself can, you know, that aspect of it, uh, can throw the fantasy football community in a, in a, in a real tizzy, uh, if you will. Um, so I, I just think that's something to keep your eye on. Uh, you just see a lot of players, you know, start off with like Cole Beasley, but now you see players, you know, like DeAndre Hopkins, um, 
you know, not that Cole Beasley isn't as important as DeAndre Hopkins in the real world, but in the fantasy world, uh, when DeAndre Hopkins starts talking uh, about these type of things, you're not quite sure what to make of it. So there are a lot of things going on, and if you're not paying attention to this stuff yourself or listening to these podcasts, uh, you're going to be well behind the eight ball come September. Yeah, and I think one of the things that, that, that we kind of talked about the other day um, is I think your league's definitely have to have the same preparations in place that if you did it last year, if you didn't do it last year, shame on you. But if you did do it last year, kind of Sunday pickups and allowing some flexibility, I think that type of protocol is should be in place in your leagues again, because we're going to be dealing with, you know, I, you know, again, there's a lot of uncertainty and I'm, you know, I, I do, I do respect certain individuals and their, and their uh, freedom of choice in terms of what they want to do. And, most people, it's it's proving to be a successful formula thus far in combating, uh, you know, a, a further proliferation of the disease. But, uh, you know, again, th- this is they're, they're younger guys and maybe they're nervous about it and all that sort of stuff. You can't help think that. But to your point, Wiz, it's going to have implications as we get into the season. So you're going to have to make choices on Sundays, I think, again, in this NFL season. So if your league, like I said, didn't do it last year, you better have it in place for this year. Yeah, you, your league has to have, or not, not has to, but you know they need to be. They should be prepared for COVID protocols. And uh, we saw what took place last year on late Saturday night, Sunday morning. And if your league wasn't prepared for it, uh, there probably was a lot of pandemonium. Yeah, no question. And we and we were in one of those leagues where we were affected by it. And it was just it was real stupidity and and laziness on the behalf of that commissioner. But. It is what it is, uh, but let's let, let's get ready to move on to the NFC West and uh, the Arizona Cardinals, Wiz. Uh, we're going to start there. And, you know, I, I was an owner of Kyler Murray in a couple of leagues last year. Um, you know, kind of like Russell Wilson carried my team in the early part of the season, and as the season moved on, it became a question mark. Even so, in a league where I actually won a championship with Kyler Murray carrying me on, in the championship game, I sat Kyler Murray to play Jalen Hurts, and or it might have been in the in, in the week fifteen round actually, and, and that's a really surprising decision that I that I actually made as a result of that, and you know ended up getting a victory. But they finished the season on on a wobbly note, uh, three and six to finish the season. The offense took a big hit where it was earlier in the season in terms of touchdown production, yardage production. I don't know if it was Kyler Murray's injury, if that played a big part in it. Uh, but nonetheless, Kyler Murray definitely had a much different first half of the season versus the second half of the season. Yeah, there's no, there's no question of that. Um, you know, he, he, he started, you know, he's not a big guy, and he started getting banged up, uh, taking some hits on those runs, and uh, there's a lot of design runs, and he was a big part of that offense. And then, Kind of end of the tail end of the season, he was like you know questionable of status. He definitely wasn't the same guy. He was just reduced to being a pocket passer. And uh, you know, I'm not saying he's not a good pocket passer. When any, anytime you, you take uh, the running aspect out of his game, uh, Kyler Murray's not going to be the same guy. But <clears throat> we'll see what how he's progressed another year. Uh, 
I, I believe that they tried to bring in more weapons. We'll get to the wide receivers. But to me, Kyler Murray is a quarterback one in all formats. He could be drafted as high as quarterback three to five overall, somewhere in that mix. So uh, I, I have him you know, ranked right around then. I think at that point, after you get through the first couple of guys, I think it's really personal preference. Do you kind of see it the same way with Kyler Murray coming to the year? Yeah, I, I do. I guess I guess the big thing for me is when I look at those stats, like I said, nine less touchdowns um, You know, really over the course of the second half of the season, a three and six record to finish out. 75 yards less per game as an offensive uh, offensive production. So I guess the one thing I would ask you is, as, as a rookie, he ran for a little over 500 yards. You know, last year, over 800 yards rushing and 11 rushing touchdowns. Is that a number that you think, as a result of what how things kind of shook out at the end of last year, do you think that number will drop this year? Uh, you know, that type of production is is extremely high production from a, from a running perspective. Do you think we're definitely going to see a backdrop, a, 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 you know, that backing up to a different level, maybe towards where he was as a rookie? Yeah, I think, I think Hill's rushing yards will fall somewhere between his rookie season and his sophomore season, somewhere between five and 800 yards. I don't think he'll equal last year's. I think they've kind of like learned a little bit of lessons. But, you know, he's an instinctual type of player, so he's going to take off in his run, and I'm sure they're going to have still some design runs. Probably not going to do as much. I think what, the, what Arizona should do is they should kind of take a look at what Buffalo has done with Josh Allen and his rushing rushing attempts uh, have kind of gradually gone down and his passing completion percentage, his yards per attempt, uh, and his overall quarterback play throwing the ball have gone up. So I think Arizona should try and take a, a page from what Buffalo has done with, uh, with Josh Allen, try and duplicate that. But he's still a quarterback one. <clears throat> they have some terrific weapons. Uh, the running back situation I find a little bit, I don't know, <clears throat> confusing to me to try and parse through these two players. Um, Chase Edmonds is one I, is the one I prefer. He's a better receiver out of the backfield. <clears throat> they bring in James Conner, who <clears throat> hasn't looked the same player. Injuries. He he looks a little bit of, he looks a little bit slow to me the last couple of years. Um, so how do you see it in terms of the running backs for the Cardinals? So it is nebulous. I, I agree. Um, I don't think Chase Edmonds is necessarily carved out to be an every down back, uh, uh, nor is he probably carved out to be a goal line back in any way, shape or form. Um, can I see him elevate his game, uh, particularly in the passing game in this offense, given a more prominent role? I don't dispute that. Um, I, I would definitely give a small lean towards Edmonds being the guy that I'd rather own here. And to your point, you know, I, I think I think James Conner the last couple of seasons has really disappointed fantasy owners. There were high expectations in 2019. That wasn't met with any kind of success. Last year was you know, a, a really disastrous year for the Pittsburgh Steelers running game. And, and James Conner, you know, really running in the mud at times, less than four yards per carry. You know, I don't know. Does he come back with a different edge? This is not a necessarily a great offensive line. It's an improving offensive line. Uh, I definitely can see it that, you know, between Murray and James Conner really being more of a goal line back here. But James Conner can also catch the football. So I, I don't know. If you told me at the end of the season, would I be surprised if these two players kind of had equal value on, on, on as far as fantasy goes? I wouldn't be shocked. 
that that being said, I don't think that's how people are going to draft these two players to start the season. So that's what I would say about that. I I think there may be, and I'm an owner of of Edmonds in a in a in a uh, in a in a keeper league, and you know I, most likely I'm going to keep that player, but at the same time, I, I I definitely understand having some reservations, and I could see James Conner making an impact here uh, that would reduce the impact of Chase Edmonds on the fantasy field. Yeah, I, mean, I, have, I have Edmonds as kind of a, you know, somewhere between a running back two and a flex, but in this league that you and I are in, you just talk three running backs, and in that scenario, he's absolutely a, a fantasy football starter. But for the standard leagues, I have I have Edmonds as a running back two, flex, somewhere in that mix. And and, and James Conner, you know, he's an interesting player to try and evaluate because he, he's, he's more than a handcuff, but he's not like Kareem Hunt where he has – standalone value so I kind of think James Conner is I kind of like a a flex play and kind of a streaming option and quite frankly if you draft a player for him to become you know running back two or better you're probably gonna have to have an injury to Chase Edmonds but otherwise I just have him kind of as a flex slash like sky you you would stream you know once if you're if you had a lot of players that were in uh situations where they were off or injured or banged up or whatever so uh that's how i see it uh i think we see it similarly similarly with the uh running backs uh as far as wide receivers go uh, you know, there's no question DeAndre Hopkins is a wide receiver one. He catches everything. Uh, he gets a ton of balls thrown his way. And if you, if I was Kyler Murray, I'd throw a million balls his way too. I mean, he catches passes that, you know, when he's covered, he comes down with them. So um, there's no doubt. And when you look at this, the receiving group for the Cardinals, that Hopkins is a wide receiver one and probably in top three to five at the position. The interesting thing to me is what to make of the other guys. A.J. Green, Rondell Moore, and Christian Kirk is a player I know who you like. And then there's still talk about Fitzgerald playing one more season. I don't know what what's going on with that. I don't think he's officially retired. So, you know, we know Hopkins is great, and we know he's a, a wide receiver one. He's going to get a lot of catches and a lot of targets. I think the interesting question is what do you do with the other three, Green, Moore, and Kirk, how do you see it? Yeah, and I think that, uh, you know, just to your point, there are a couple other guys lingering around like Isabella and Keyshawn Johnson. I think that moves them out of, out of the discussion, quite frankly. Um, there has been some noise about A.J. Green. They did pay him a lot of money for a single year. Uh, last year, if you look at his uh, completion percentage balls thrown to him, it was 45%. I don't think that was on Joe Burrow. I think the separation that A.J. Green once was able to get is not there, you know, contesting those type of balls. I just saw a player who was – look, I drafted A.J. Green in the league last year. I cut the guy after like three or four weeks. I was just tired of looking at what was going on there, and I think that inconsistency followed him throughout the season. Now, again, different type of offense, but it's not like Joe Burrow wasn't throwing the ball. He was throwing the ball 40 times. So, you know, Kyler Murray – uh, we can argue is not as good a passer as Joe Burrow. So uh, that's not to say that, they, that they're they not going to be winging it around at times as well. So I'm conflicted. I'm definitely staying away from the 33-year-old guy. That's that's definitely the case. You know, Christian Kirk started out his career um, with Kyler Murray in college, and then obviously Murray moved on. So uh, there is a little bit of a rapport there. But, you know, I think that after a couple of good games early in the season, Christian Kirk kind of disappeared on everybody last year. In fact, his stats were worse last year, except save touchdowns in all 
all other categories. So I don't know. I'm, I'm kind of mixed here on what to do. There's a part of me that feels like Moore actually could outperform both of these guys. Um, you know, exciting player, not a big guy, diminutive in stature, but really made a splash his freshman year when he landed on the field uh, at Purdue. So I, I don't know. There's a part of me that says Moore will be the most productive guy of these threes, a very exciting guy, different type of player than the other two. Uh, but I think it's going to be uh, really up to the eyes of the beholder in this one. Uh, I could see all kinds of fantasy players uh, being conflicted in terms of their views of the second receiver in Arizona. But the fact of the matter is, I think in all leagues, the second receiver in Arizona, whoever that is, is going to have fantasy value. So I think there'll be different determinants of that in different leagues. For me, I kind of lean more, even though he's the rookie. I feel he's got that kind of flash and flair that could make a stamp this year uh, as early as this year in fantasy. Yeah, for me, in standard leagues because of the target share that Hopkins is going to get, and then because of the ability of all three of those other receivers, all, all three are good players, because, you know, it's not like there's a standalone number two, and then the other guys are just, like, kind of sprinkle in. Because of the target share of Hopkins, because of the talent of all three players, and it's going to be interesting to see what A.J. Green has left in the tank. He may be really rejuvenated in this type of offense. I just don't see any of those other three in standard leagues as as fantasy football starters. Um, that's how that's how I see it. Uh, as far as the tight end situation goes, in the air raid offense, you know, the tight end is really not much part of it. You know, Max Williams, as far as I'm concerned, should not be drafted in any format uh, yeah. unless you you know do you see it a different way no i don't see it a different way I, in fact you know it, it'll be interesting to see how dan arnold you know what he does we talked about it in, in the carolina podcast what he does there but dan arnold actually came on as the season went on and this is an offense that didn't exactly use the tight end a lot but dan arnold ended up catching 30 balls in the offense for over 400 yards but i don't see max williams is not that type of player um and i think given the guys that they have at the receiver position your arizona tight end is not a is not a player that you'll be drafting uh, in any league format. Yeah, and uh, the, the one thing about that air raid offense is sometimes they have difficulty in the red zone because they, they really don't have the type of offensive line and running backs to really power it in, so it lends itself sometimes so there are a lot of failures you know, in the red zone, which bodes well for a kicker and enter Matt Prater. Uh, could be entering a good situation. <clears throat> you know, if somebody wanted to draft him and felt he's a top 10 or 12 guy this year in that offense, I, I wouldn't really, you know, argue, debate that. I have him very close to that. Um, and the defense has its moments, but I, I don't really want any part of the Arizona Cardinals, you know, defense going against some very, very good offenses in that division. So uh, I, I could see Prater as a top 10 to 12 kicker this year, and I'm not drafting Arizona's defense. How do you see it? Yeah, so just on Prater, uh, nobody has kicked more field goals over 50 yards uh, in the last 10 years than Prater. Uh, so, and that's kind of combining his years with both the Broncos and the Lions. So he's a successful guy when it comes to that. I agree with you with the offense. Uh, he's indoors, right? That's a big part of it. He gets to kick indoors again. He was a little more inaccurate last year than previous seasons, but... I, I like his situation. I, I definitely think Prater is a top 10 kicker in my eyes. Uh, I've been very surprised with, look, I know J.J. Watt is, is, is an Arizona Cardinal. I can't remember the last time that J.J. Watt actually played 
16 games, 16 or 17 games in the NFL. Um, you know, he's an older guy now. Uh, I know Simmons last year was a lot of hullabaloo made around that draft pick. Uh, didn't really make a lot of noise on the field, uh, much to my disappointment. Uh, Buda Baker, a very solid player in this defense. I mentioned Chandler Jones at the top of the podcast, and if you didn't see him, uh, you know, at, back here. They also lost one of their best pass rushers, right? Uh, you know, th- that that's another situation where a guy like Harrick with 12 and a half um, – um, uh, sacks last year, you know he's gone, and that's uh, that's another that's another hit to the to this defense. And I think you know when you look at it, he's in Carolina now, uh, and I and I mentioned that Carolina I feel is an, is a defense that's moving up. But Arizona's I've seen them ranked in the top ten by a lot of prognosticators, Wiz, and I don't get that. I really don't understand how that can be happening. You know they 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 lost a guy like I said like Hassan Riddick. Uh, Chandler Jones is a question mark. Watt is older. Patrick Peterson's gone. Granted, Peterson was long the tooth. But I'm seeing uh, your point about this this division and the offenses. I don't think it lends any credence to this defense being ranked in the top 10. And I've been shocked to see that happen on a number of prognostications. Yeah, I mean, for me, uh, they, they would be the type of defense that I would maybe pick up and stream if I, I thought they were going up against a team that they were going to get on top of and maybe – get some sacks and interceptions, but overall it was just like a uh, number one defense where you could set them and forget it. I think that's ridiculous. So, uh, look, people see things different ways, and uh, you and I do not see Arizona's defense as, uh, you know, a top 12 defense, but I guess other people do, but uh, that's what makes horse racing, so to speak. So, uh, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll see how that plays out. But, uh, yeah, I'm just wondering if the Texans are going to use – uh, J.J. Watt in the same way that the Steelers kind of used, and, and, and then he went to the Bengals at the tail end of his career, like James Har- you know, James Harrison at the end of his career, where you don't play him every play. You put him in, in you know, third and long and those type of situations where you get after the, to rush her because to your point, he hasn't been able to stay on the field, and when he's been on the field, he just isn't the same player. I mean, you know, father time catches up with everyone except Brady, but... Um, I think maybe they'll use him in that kind of a role, but uh, Arizona's defense is not for me. Uh, very uh, lucid points all around. Uh, Guru and Wiz Fantasy Football Podcast. Uh, we're going to move on to the next team, which will be the Los Angeles Rams. Uh, finishing up these team podcasts uh, before we get into the season as teams report. Uh, we're on Spotify, SoundCloud, and Apple Podcasts. Well done again, Wiz, and we'll talk to you shortly about the L.A. Rams. Got it.